I'm Anna Marie Diaz. And I'm Becca Long Henry. We're with Classical Revolution RVA. And, and this, this room, room sounds, sounds great. This is my first podcast. I'm a little nervous. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I relax ever. <laughs> so so my my ideas don't don't hit me there. When he says something funny, he'll like throw you the side eyes. <laughs> uh huh. It's like a private joke between us. It's really fun. Hello everybody, and thank you for joining us for this room. Sounds great. We know that there are options upon options out there when you are jazzercising and flipping burgers and doing what you do. And guess what? We were your podcast of choice. Thank you so, so much. Today, we get to talk to Classical Revolution RVA. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. Classical Revolution RVA has been on the show before. We weren't doing the podcast yet, just yet. So that's exciting. We get to chat. Um, And it's one of those genres, and I'll probably mention this when we're live again when you're here, We've had several lately. We've had jazz, we've had honky-tonk, and now you guys that are these sort of traditionally, stereotypically sort of older sounds, you know, jazz and and, um, classic jazz, especially traditional jazz, and uh, honky-tonk, which has the country roots, and and now you guys that it's young people doing it, and it's awesome. (laughs) It's amazing to see the new life, to see the spin, to see more people be able to relate to it. And I read the uh, sort of the mission statement and about Classical Revolution RVA online, and that's just it. It, You know, you guys are here to bring it to a broader appeal. And I know the last time you guys performed, it was, I kept calling it the sea shanty show. It was just so much fun. There were songs about plundering and there was a plank of wood on the floor and it was being clomped on. And um, yeah, it was just these tales and um, it was so fun. So tell us about the program that we're going to have the next time you're on. Well, we have a great lineup of performers, of course, as always. We went with another variety format and we will be featuring some solo cello. Mm. A little bit of Scottish fiddle, actually, which has a lot in common with classical music. Um, it is typically learned from music, unlike unlike other fiddle traditions, and it also incorporates a lot of ornaments that is very similar to Baroque music mm-hmm. in, in that you get a page of music and then you make it completely your own. And then we will have some just fabulous singers and amazing pianists. Did I leave anyone out? I don't think so. Yeah. And tell me about that phrase you just used. It's learned from music versus, is that what, is that the phrase you used? I think that might've been the phrase I used. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So it's not always learned from, from a sheet of music, but it, it does incorporate more of that written format than other fiddle traditions do. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I got it. And now were you ladies a part of it? I know this started in San Francisco. Were you ladies a part of it out there? No. (laughs) Okay. You're the RVA chapter. Okay. Mm -hmm. And tell me what you do. Anna Maria, tell me what you do. Um, I am the artistic director of Classical Revolution as of like two weeks ago. (laughs) So (laughs) so here I am. Yeah. (laughs) That's fun. Yes, absolutely. That's going to be fun. I am so excited to be here. Yeah. And a part of this organization. (gasps) And Becca? I'm the general director, which means I take care of some of the logistical things and budgetary things and Basically, my job is to make sure that our artistic directors have so much freedom and license to do whatever they want and take the organization in the direction that they see. 
I totally thought you were going to joke and say, my job is to keep the artistic directors in line. (laughs) Well, that too. (laughs) Well, it is funny because there's sort of that left brain, right brain philosophy. And I think I'm equal. I think I'm kind of split down the middle. But it could be funny if you're all artistic, you have to stay organized. And the people who are organized, you know, have to give that freedom. So (laughs) (laughs) totally. What has been one of the most memorable performances you've been a part of in any way, shape or form? Like what, I, I mean, it's got to be so exciting turning so many, a, a new audience on to something like this and to shed all of the stereotypes and all of the, you know, hoity-toity stuff around. It's got to be so great to make it approachable and accessible. So has there been a performance where you either changed minds or you just felt great about what you put together? Or I would say the Mozart festivals really stand out um, as far as reach and as far as like experience. Um, the last one we had was in 2019 and Anna Marie, you can't see it, but she is wearing a lovely Mozart (laughs) festival t-shirt from that year. And one of my favorite memories was the, I mean, there were amazing events all day, but one of my favorites was the symphonies performance at urban farmhouse, which has since moved. But, um, we, packed a full orchestra, a full symphony into that space. And then they lifted their garage doors and people were spilling out into the streets, just enjoying these beautiful sounds that the symphony was creating and in a completely unusual place. And it was, it was a really powerful moment. And the Mozart Festival is just one day a year or several events over a course of days? It's usually um, maybe one evening and then one full day. Mm -hmm. When is have we had that this year yet? Um, it didn't happen this year. Mm. We are planning. We were planning a mini mo, <laughs> and mini mo fest, <laughs> and that'll be happening. I think in January it'll be a fundraising event for the 2022 Mozart Festival, which will happen, I believe, in April or May of next year. We've got to keep an eye on that. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the performers. You know, do. Does everybody still have day jobs? Does everybody completely get to do what they want to do? Um, you know, do they have other projects? Are they teachers? I mean, what brings people together together to play? Uh, is it contemporary classical? I guess it's not because it's still classical music. Some of it's contemporary. We actually really work to incorporate pieces by composers who are still alive <laughs> and especially Anna Marie did an amazing program this summer about um that incorporated music of underrepresented composers Ooh. yeah it was very cool yeah all all living underrepresented composers um and it was sort of this idea I had even before uh I reached out to classical Revol- or even before we collaborated about one of my biggest passions is just performing a contemporary music. So music by living composers and then performing music by underrepresented living composers. Um, and back in, I think January or February, you know, I'm just sort of trying to figure out what to do with playing music and, and, you know, how to, how to play music at that time. And, I got an email from Classical Revolution saying they were going to give out, you know, mini grants, mini stipends for passion projects. And so <gasps> sort of on a whim, <laughs> I applied for it. And that's sort of how this project came to life. I was able to interview three underrepresented composers, fabulous, fabulous composers. Um, and the original idea was that I would 
interview them and then record each piece and then we are going to virtually release it and um you know sometime over the summer becca reached out and was like well gallery five has some performance dates that they're offering from us do you want to do this live show and it was it was fabulous it was the first time i had performed live in a long time <laughs> so it was very cool to a like collaborate with classical revolution because uh this is an organization that i absolutely love um and to bring this project to life so it was it was really great so first tell me who the composers were absolutely so uh the first composer was allison loggins hall she is a flutist from this flute duo group called flutronics it's an urban pop flute duo. Um, they are very cool. Um, another composer was Carlos Simon. He is actually a very well-known composer. Um, he writes all sorts of works, for solo works um, to symphony works. And then the third composer was Valerie Coleman, who I'm a flutist. She is very well-known in the flute world. So I was very excited to, to get an opportunity to interview her. And yeah. did you say flutist or flautist? I said flutist. Okay. It's funny. We we just had a band on, uh, we had Weekender, um, about two or three weeks on Chaco Sessions, and I kept saying flautist, and she said, ah, flautist sounds too hoity-toity, you know. <laughs> she said, I'm a flutist. I'm a flutist. Yeah, and there I we said, go. okay, I didn't realize there was a difference. <laughs> Becca, what do you play? I play violin nice. and viola. Oh, so what were you doing before you became creative director? Yeah, so... Um, Actually, I moved back to Richmond last summer, so summer of 2022, um, because I was in Greensboro, North Carolina, getting my master's, and my fiance and I, we really love Richmond, and nothing's wrong with North Carolina, but we love (laughs) Richmond way more than Greensboro, North Carolina, so we decided to move back, and I've been teaching flute privately, so I'm a private flute teacher. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And then how did you get connected with Classical Revolution? Um, I moved to Richmond in 2016 and I didn't know anyone and I had this vague memory of a friend of mine from undergrad. I went to school in Nebraska and he moved to St. Louis, I think, and told me about this really rad organization, Classical Revolution. And I was like, I wonder if they have a chapter here. And I looked it up and connected with Ellen and Jamie, who were sort of heading the organization at the time and just kept helping until I became <laughs> general director. <laughs> now, are you both passionate about classical music or there are, do you like other genres and this is just one tiny facet? Like, do you eat, sleep, breathe it? Do most people? <laughs> it's just so funny. You know, it has this connotation of being stodgy or for older people or it'll put you to sleep or, you know, I find so many pieces riveting. And of course, we use them in movie scores and things like that. I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's an obsolete sound. It is just very interesting when younger people are enthused by it. So I just am wondering how you are so passionate about it. What What do you think draws younger people to it? Well, I think for me, you know, I classical music is not the only music I listen to. I, I listen to all sorts of genres, but I... I remember when I first started dating my fiance who does not listen to classical music and I was trying to describe it to him. And the best way I could describe it is when you're listening to a symphony orchestra, it's like taking a, like a breath of fresh air. There's just like something about it that is, is just incredible to, to hear all of these people play together and create sounds that are just incredible. And so, you know, I think that's that's always drawn me to the genre. And, 
you know, there's just so many stories that that this music can tell. And I think another part of it is that this music is so old. Like, it, it I don't know. There's something about it that is is just really, um, it's just so intriguing and captivating for me. You just feel it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say. For me, it's more about how it, without words, although sometimes it has words, but without words it can capture so vividly different emotions and feelings and and I guess just like paint pictures of like a a place in time sort of without using words or visual stimulus it just like Anna Marie was saying it conveys feeling so it evokes an emotion instantly so what are young composers composing about and writing about well the the thing that I love about contemporary composers is that I think so many composers are drawing inspiration from what's going on in the world so um I'm not trying to I guess I'm not trying to be blacklisted as a classical musician but you know Mozart and Bach and Beethoven they compose beautiful music but there's an element of contemporary music that I love is that their contemporary music has a deeper meaning. There, there, there is, composers want to send a message with their music. I'll give you an example. One of the pieces that I played for the, for the performance I did this summer uh, by Alison Loggins Hall was called Homeland. And it was just all about, you know, the civil unrest going on in the world. And I think that is just so important and so impactful. And I think as classical musicians, that's what we want to do is we want to make an impact through music. And they're able to do that in through music with no words. Yes. They're yeah. able to grip you and take you on that journey and have you feel those feelings. That is so exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what was the first piece of music you owned? Oh, that's a great question. And what format was it on? Um, just any, any yeah, piece, first of music? piece of music that oh you gosh. claimed is yours. Oh, gosh. It was definitely a CD, and it was either a Backstreet Boys CD or a Hilary Duff Metamorphosis CD. <laughs> I want to say it was probably the Hilary Duff Metamorphosis CD. <laughs> I've gotten a lot of Backstreet Boys lately. Yeah. <laughs> a whole lot. And yeah. you? I'm pretty sure it was a cassette tape because I'm that old. <laughs> And it was a movie soundtrack, and it has been lost to time. I can't remember for sure what it was, but I was very young, so it was probably a children's musical, like Disney, maybe, I want to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. So as creative director, how in the world do you relax yourself and open yourself up to ideas? So, you know, for instance, curating a show of young composers under, under underserved, we said? Underserved? Mm-hmm. Underrepresented. Underrepresented um, composers. I mean, do you go for walks? Do you dance? <laughs> do you, is it just hit you while you're washing dishes? That's, that's a great question. Um, I, I don't think I relax ever. <laughs> so, so my, my ideas don't, don't hit me there. Um, you know, I think, I, I think a lot of my ideas, for example, for, for that show, um, it was sort of just like, how can I make an impact? You know, what, what are the things that A, I love to do? What are the things that I'm able to do? And then how can I make an impact? And to take that further, you know, as, as the artistic director, it's sort of like, 
thinking on a bigger scale now. So like, what are we able to do? What can we do? And how can we as an organization make an impact, um, at least in the Richmond community? Okay. All right. And Becca, do you have any outside music hobbies that uh, sort of inspire you when you're organizing and plotting and keeping everything in place? You mean like extracurricular, mm-hmm. like yeah. not yeah. music yeah. activities? <laughs> yeah. Who is Becca? <laughs> um, Are you a knitter? Or I, a... I do knit, actually, mm-hmm. but that doesn't inspire my music. It's more like an escape. Or in win- in winter, it's like warmth. I want that that knitted object on my lap keeping me warm. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes the just distraction is part of that process because you're not always thinking about music. You're not always putting something together. When you have that pause and you're in the flow, it frees up the mind for those other things. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be directly related. But I always like learning if someone collects something or does something odd <laughs> that you're just like, huh. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) How do you think classical music fits into the Richmond music scene? So I always like to ask our musicians, what do you think of the Richmond music scene? And, um, you know, a lot of times it's musicians who have been on stages for years and years and years and everybody knows everybody and they've played together in one form or another. So is the classical scene that way as well? I think we're working to try to incorporate it into the music scene. So you see some of the same bands um playing with us that you would see you know just at a show if you went down to I don't know the camel or somewhere I'm not sure um for example we had the sweet potatoes play on one of our well they that's who I was talking about with jazz is there that traditional jazz style but of course they've ramped it up and it's super contemporary and her version of you make me feel like a woman I bawled my eyes out we were live and I was just bawling it was so beautiful um but just the sound of her voice and the camaraderie when they played I mean they are bringing it so that's the perfect example Mm mm-hmm yeah, they um they actually sort of bent to our our well, Johnny actually is also a classical guitarist and he's also my roommate. Um <laughs> but he had this amazing idea. He loves he loves jazz and classical so much um that he decided to arrange some Bach inventions mm-hmm. as jazz charts and they performed those on on incarnations and like soloed over the the changes and that was that was a really cool experience seeing like jazz and classical fuse like that and we also we also try to we haven't done it in a year or two because of the pandemic but we also have a concert series called pairs where we try to do half of a program with a classical ensemble and then the other half with a non-classical ensemble. So we we performed a concert that was the Sea Shanties at, on the first half and then Rumput on the second half. I don't, I'm not familiar with that. Oh, Rumput is a gamelan ensemble, I want to say. Um, they're traditional Indonesian music, except mm-hmm. they write a lot of their own pieces. So it's it's old and new at the same time, kind of like what we're trying to achieve. But I think we're, we have a, a Paris concert. Um, we're plotting one for yeah. birthday week, which is coming up in November. Mm-hmm. And so what will that entail? Oh boy. It's a secret. Oh, okay. It's a secret. Yeah. We're still planning some events. So I don't think we can say anything. Okay. <laughs> we just, <laughs> we just had the ideas, but, but yeah, I mean, our birthday week is going to be the week of November 15th. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so we're planning um, at least four events that week. 
So stay tuned. They're going to be fantastic. Ven- uh, do we have venue ideas yet? We or? do have some venue okay. ideas. Um, I don't think we can talk about that yet, quite yet. Um, <laughs> but but it's going to be great. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. What is going to define success for each of you in what you do? I mean, do you yourselves want to compose an entire piece? Do you just like doing in this on the side? Um, are there other maybe even completely different professions that you want to dip your toe in or that you already are a part of? Wow, that's that's a big question, I feel like. Um, your first podcast, yeah. Becca, here it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, I as a musician, I... Well, let me back up a little bit. I, I remember distinctly in high school talking to one of my friends and saying, I want to do everything. Like, I want to be able to do everything. And, you know, and their answer was like, well, you can't do everything. And I was like, but I, I really do. Like, I really want to do everything. And so... In, as a musician perspective, you know, I, I, I teach flute lessons. I'm a part of Classical Revolution. I work with another flutist and we provide online education opportunities for other classical musicians. Um, and I think for me, that, that is truly what being a musician is like, you know, being able to teach, perform, and, and wear a bunch of hats, be an art, um, art administrator as well. Um, and so, so I think defining success for me overall would be to be able to make an impact in people's lives. Um, now how I do that, I'm, I'm not quite sure, you know, but another really big important thing for me as a musician is, is um, bringing classical music to underrepresented communities as well. Um, so figuring out how to do that in, in all of the little ways that, that I am a musician. And Becca, your goals and... Hmm. Your dreams, your hopes, your bucket <laughs> list, all of it. Well, I actually, my answer is pretty similar to Anna Marie's. Um, Making an impact is probably the main way that I would measure my success. Like for classical revolution, I mean, every year we add up our numbers and see how many people we reached. And that's always so rewarding. And meeting the audience is at the events and hearing them say, oh, well, I just saw this on Facebook and I thought I'd come check it out. And this is really cool. When's your next event? That's really rewarding. Um, but outside of classical revolution, I'm a teacher. That's uh, my main occupation. I teach violin, viola, and piano. And just seeing kids grow as students and as musicians and as humans is the most amazing thing. And being part of that and helping them helping them become their best selves is is really rewarding. Do you believe the children are our future? (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. And you guys, I mean, anybody who works with children are saints. So, (laughs) Especially when you're asking patience of children. (laughs) You're triple saints. I'm canonizing you right now at the moment. Now, have you guys been in any other bands that weren't classical? Like, did you ever have high school bands or just rock bands or jazz bands? And were any of them embarrassing or, pr- or are you proud of them? I always ask that of musicians. Did you have a, you know, a lot of the high school bands, they're just writing about things that are terribly trite, but <laughs> it happens. And You know, um, unfortunately I'm the only musical person in my friend group. So, <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't quite get to play in any rock bands, although I would love to do that. Um, I did, I did play a couple of gigs when I was in North Carolina with this folk band that I absolutely loved. Um, cause the music was great and they also wanted me to sing. Like it was like, okay, now we all sing this part. And I 
do not consider myself a vocalist, <laughs> but but it was awesome to be able to explore musically other ways besides just the flute. So so that was a lot of fun for me. But I don't know, maybe one day I'll play in a rock band, some some flute rock band. Just no Jethro Tull. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Allie with Weekender was telling us no yeah, Jethro Tull. Yeah, Tull. probably not. <laughs> and what were they called, that band? They were called the Winterbirds. Winterbirds. Mm-hmm. Good on you, Winterbirds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Becca? I played with a really cool it was it was still sort of classical. Um, it was called Ryan Head in the Barroom Orchestra. At one point, it was Ryan Head in the Red Sky Barroom Orchestra, but we shortened it, which I think was a good move. <laughs> um, but that was a really eclectic ensemble. We we played alongside a lot of the rock bands in Lincoln, Nebraska, and we had. Let's see if I can even remember all of the instruments that we had. We had oboe, at one point trumpet, trombone cello violin viola guitar of course and I'm not sure we ever had a drummer actually but we had a couple of people who sang with us and we did original songs and also some arrangements of classical things um it was really innovative and I was really at the time I was like I don't want to go to rehearsal I have to like (laughs) leave my house (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it was a really cool project to be part of Becca, what's the weirdest way you've ever injured yourself? This is the question that I have been dreading because you gave me a hint <laughs> that that would be, <laughs> that that might come up. And oh, I have I have others just in case you're stumped. <laughs> Don't worry. I am stumped. I, I haven't really injured myself that that often and never in amusing ways. It's always just me being a klutz and like running into something. <laughs> <laughs> what is the strangest thing you find attractive about a person? Eye contact, I think. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like the way a person uses their eyes to express interest in others is mm-hmm. really interesting to me. And I I really appreciate people who do make eye contact. And I try to make eye contact with people, even if I'm just like walking down the sidewalk, I'll try to look at them and be like, hey, um, which did- is maybe... I I think Richmond, you can do that pretty easily, especially in the museum district where Mm -hmm. I live. Everyone's really friendly. Um, But like some of my closest friends, I was drawn to them because they have this magnificent like power with their eyes. Like one of them, um, when he says something funny, he'll like throw you the side eyes. (laughs) You see what I did there? Uh (laughs) It's like a private joke between us. It's really fun. And then, um, of course, my boyfriend is amazing. You may not want to include this part, but (laughs) he like is really shy. And the moment he started making eye contact with me, I was like, gosh this is really special (laughs) yeah (laughs) I like when people look at you and you can just kind of tell they see you Mm -hmm. you know or just even undivided attention in the moment Mm -hmm. Um, I find it very strange if I'm on the street and we're the only two people walking and we pass each other and they don't say anything and granted everyone has bad days I mean I don't I don't judge your fault but I'm just always like hmm you were the only people and you didn't say hello. <laughs> what about you? Have you injured yourself in a goofy way or is there something you're drawn to that you're like, I don't know why, but I love it. <laughs> I, I actually have injured myself in a goofy way. Um, I was prepared for this question. I thought about it. Um, I So 
Um, I was I was in high school, and uh, full disclosure, this is a band camp story. Ooh, so, yeah. so I was I was a senior um, at band camp, and um, I, it was yeah, it was my senior year, and I was I was drum major, and so I had to sort of be at things earlier than the rest of the group. And my high school um, was very lucky. We would go away for a week for for our band camp, so we were staying um, in these dorms and. It was after a long day and we were all hot. And so I decided to go, you know, rinse, take a shower real fast. And somebody came into the bathroom and was like, Anna Marie, you are supposed to be at this meeting. Like they are waiting for you. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so I quickly, you know, dried off, grabbed my towel and I started to run out and I slipped in in the shower and hit my foot up against one of the dividers and I broke my toe. <laughs> Which you can do nothing for. <laughs> Which you can do nothing for. Um, and and I didn't realize it in the moment, but I, I like ran back to my little dorm and put on my clothes and ran downstairs on my broken toe. And pretty immediately, like my foot started swelling. And that was, I'm pretty sure, day one of band camp. So, <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the only bone I've ever broken. And yeah, it's kind of a ridiculous story. It's <laughs> great. It's perfect. <laughs> Remind me, who's going to be here when you're performing? Who will we have? So we have um, a wonderful cellist, Christopher Torney. Torney, yes. Um, a wonderful pianist, Magda Ama Adamak, Adamak as well, and Becca and her friend Ned. Ned Haskins. <laughs> Ned Haskins. Um, and then we have a couple to, couple really wonderful vocalists, Elizabeth Knutson, Knutson, um, Margaret Taylor Woods. And their pianist, Charles Staples, who will also be performing. We love Charles yeah. Staples. He's great. Yeah. Does we love everybody. him, too. I think that might be everyone. I could check. I'm pretty sure. That Anna Marie everybody. is on a first-name basis with everybody. Yeah, back I am. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what are you hoping people glean from it when they're watching? I hope that they, they see that classical music can be really powerful and impactful and fun, and that it can express different ideas I'm not sure I'm not sure what everyone is singing but I think those will probably be the standouts um just because it's easier to connect with pieces with words and even if they're in another language I I just hope that they see that classical music is you know impactful and fun and that musicians young musicians who are doing this are are having a good time and that listeners can have a good time too breathing great new life into it why do you think um classical music gets that connotation of being stodgy and you have to be old to hear it or it's not stimulating why why is that i mean if it's been around so long why didn't it evolve with every other sort of genre and and generation i mean it just got stuck for a bit yeah absolutely um Again, I'm I'm certainly not trying to blacklist myself on the on the classical musician list or anything, um, but but I think you know I think for a really long time the same music was being played in the classical repertoire. Um, you know, we, the Mozart's, the Bach, the Beethoven, the Tchaikovsky, and of course that music is incredible. There's nothing like that music, but so much there's so much newer music that. I think that sort of got lost. And I think right now is a really great time in classical music because so many people 
and certainly younger musicians are like, wait, we need to play this younger music and, and certainly not to not, we do, certainly still want to play Mozart and Bach and Beethoven. But I think so many of us are like, let's, let's see what this new music is all about. Let's try it out. And, and so much of it is experimental and you kind of do weird things with your instruments and you create different sounds that certainly Beethoven was not doing that. And I think right now, young classical musicians want to want to do that stuff. They want to, you know, do what it takes to make the genre captivating for everybody. Where can people go for more information? Where can we find out about the November show that's coming up and everything <laughs> else? The, the super secret show. <laughs> well, they will definitely want to keep an eye on our website, which is classicalrevolutionrva.com and our Facebook page, which I think is probably a faster source of information. We are pretty quick with the social media. I'm a little slower with the website. <laughs> um, but of course, we want to reach everyone who is on or off social media. So we we keep both up to date. Mm-hmm. And are you guys on Instagram or Twitter? Yes. Okay, perfect. Well, Instagram. 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 Yep. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, tweeting is... Mm. Tick, are we TikToking? We're no. not TikToking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and just the fact that I asked it that way. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, ladies, so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you this for having us. Yeah, thank you so What'd you much. think? Are you scarred? Will you do another podcast? <laughs> I might. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Uh, I can't wait to see you perform when you perform. I'll have more questions and we'll just hopefully reach a whole new audience. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to us for the podcast on all the usual suspects. And of course, be sure to tune in every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. YouTube, Facebook, Twitch for Shaco Sessions Live. That's a wrap.